0: Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is the show where we get people from around the world to talk about the news from around the world. This is episode number 28 for the month of September 2010. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. Uh, if you are new to the show, you will quick learn, uh, quickly learn that we are not journalists. We don't pretend to be uh, anything serious at all. We're just a bunch of people getting together around a virtual table uh, that spans continents and talk about what's been happening and what's been making the news, both in our countries and uh, internationally. So uh, uh, I am your host, Patrick Beja, and I have two... Point five uh, uh, wonderful hosts with me today. I'll explain the point five in a second. But first, let me welcome uh, a person who I'm very glad to have on the show almost every time he is. And that's uh, Scott Johnson. (laughs) Whoa, I want to hear about that one time, that, or sad that I came on the show. (laughs) I don't know, it it seems a little bit too, um, you know, expected to say, oh, I'm always glad to have you on the show, Scott, and how are you doing? So I'm like adding a little bit of spice.
1: (laughs) I understand, that's good. Well, thank you for having me again. It's been, uh, I think, by my estimation, too long uh, since I was on last. I really, really enjoy this show and uh, what people bring to it, so uh, thank you so much for having me on.
0: Wow, thank you. Uh, great uh, uh, testimonial I might use uh, in future episodes. <laughs> thanks, Scott. And thanks for being here. Uh, as people I'm certain already know, you are a resident of the fine uh, state of Utah in the U.S. of A. Yes. Okay. I just, <laughs> I was looking for a confirmation there, but I guess
1: uh, I'll take no, your you, silence. You, I, I blame Skype for one second there. You totally blacked out on my end. Oh, okay. So
0: all I heard at the end was Utah, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so what I will do is that I will disable uh, Carbonite, which is uh, backing up my whole computer at the moment, and thus uh, borking my Skype connection. Let's do that; it should work better. Um, yes. And also very silent and polite in the background, right there. You can see it if you look. Re- you can see him if you look really hard, Mister Paul. Uh, can I say your last name on the show? I guess maybe. Yes, you. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Paul Fox from the Hong Kong.
2: Hi. Well, well, I'm very happy to be here, very honored to be in the midst of uh, podcasting greatness.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you very much. Oh,
1: yeah, I agree about Patrick with that. I assume you're not talking about me, but yes, Patrick <laughs> no, is... That, that goes to both of you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so, uh, nice.
1: How is Hong Kong this time of year, by the way,
2: weather-wise? Is it nice? Uh, not really. It's it's still very hot, muggy. Um, people who might be from Southern United States, uh, very humid weather, such as in Florida. Um, And we have a whole lot of pollution. The pollution here has gotten really bad in the past few years. Lots of smog coming from Shenzhen and uh, some of the factories uh, just over the border in mainland China. So it'll get nicer as the weather cools down. And uh, we've had a couple typhoons come through. Uh, Nothing really nearby to clean up the air, though. So that's been the biggest problem.
1: Well, the reason I bring it up is um, uh, and sorry, Patrick, I mean, interrupt. But I, when I was in China, I spent some time in Hong Kong and the pollution problem was mainly in the Shenzhen area, southern China, some of the factory districts and stuff. and You really didn't see it in Hong Kong as much. Um, and I hear that's gotten worse and worse and worse. And it doesn't really surprise me all that much. But the day I left Hong Kong, we almost went down in a typhoon. And I will never forget that plane experience. It was one of the worst ordeals I would ever been through, and I honestly I don't know how they let us go or why they let us fly in that, but it was crazy. So my it was not just my insipid uh, attempt to ask about the weather somewhere, but more or less to you know to, to see if someone else is suffering the horrible pain of trying to travel during a typhoon. And so it you were like trying
0: so. to uh, relive your uh, near death horrible experience by yeah. I figured, I, figured
1: that, I figured that way I can deal with it better or something. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs>
0: anyway. Um, And some people might uh, might wonder where you are originally from, Paul, because your accent is uh, doesn't seem to be like the one of the Hong Konger, I guess. No,
2: Um, I'm originally from Florida and I moved to Hong Kong in 2000 and I've been living here ever since. Uh, But I still go back to the States about twice a year. I have family in Florida. So we have gatherings and I try to keep up with what's going on in the States as well as in the Asia region.
0: Excellent. So you do have uh, a 10-year-plus uh, experience in, uh, in the, the country. So I guess you can be a valid representation, representative? Uh, yes,
2: I hope so. But I would certainly not claim myself to be an expert by any means.
0: Oh, no one is. I mean, what we all claim somehow to be an expert, but we're not. I can,
1: say, um, I can say the best steak I ever had was in Hong Kong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, we already know a lot about that uh, wonderful place. I, I want to say country, but it's not a, a country anymore. Or well, maybe you know, at the end of the show, maybe we can talk a little bit about how uh, the uh, return of Hong Kong to China has changed. Possibly, I mean, you arrived there a little bit after the, after uh, sure. that return, but uh, we can talk a little bit about that because I've always be, always been curious. Um, uh, about that. So, let's do that later. Later on. And then as I was saying, uh we have a one uh uh 0.5 guest on the show because uh you have certainly noticed the absence of uh, our friend Turkey. And uh he was scheduled and for once in I don't know. Maybe in the past six months, for the first time, I actually sent him an email asking if he could be on to make sure that you know he could. I, I would be considerate of his uh, schedule and making not assuming that he could. He said, "Yes, sure, of course." Ha ha! You're you're sending me an email. Hell must have frozen over. Ha ha ha! And then this morning, he, he sends me an email saying. I sort of forgot that uh, end of Ramadan thing and we have to uh do all the prayers and the the have the dinner thing. So I'm not going to be able to be on. And now he is on his iPhone on Skype uh going through all the things uh in Saudi Arabia of course and I'm sending <laughs> him messages and saying we're talking about you on the show.
1: And this, can I can I just ask does the so this is the point five you are you're claiming that a full fifty percent of turkey is represented by an iphone conversation
0: <laughs> well i'm saying that his uh insightful commentary is uh so strong that if he blesses us with even a couple of phrases, he would c- account for at least fifty percent of a normal host like you and I yeah. See, yeah. That that wasn't too bad the way I. I like I, uh, that. Uh, I like uh,
1: your math. Your math is solid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So so obviously Turkey is not going to be participating in the show, but he is with us in in spirit, uh, and that is something that is precious to us, of course. <laughs> um, so let's uh, jump into the show with the first few international stories, and uh, I have to say that it seems like. News has been taking a, a break for summer uh, also because not a lot happened, I would say. I mean, obviously, a lot of uh, things happened, but um, uh, Turkey says he is eating. So there you go. That's his insightful commentary. Um, officially broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Ramadan is over. He's eating. Yeah. I think that's the way it works, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so.
1: Is that how it works? But, shoot, we should have... Turkey yeah. on, wait, you he can't, he's not. Oh, he-
0: damn it. All right, he'll tell us all about that next month. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the one thing that has been making the news in the past couple of weeks uh, on a very regular basis is the this uh, story about the miners in Chile, which I'm not sure we're going to have a lot to say about it. But, uh, yeah, so that that was on the news every day for every, um, every newscast. The, those uh, poor miners who had a mine uh, collapse several—what was it? Several hundred meters uh, underground, I think so. At least, but, well, quite deep. Um, and they were thought to be dead for a few days, and then they realized that they were ac- they were actually safe in one of the uh, uh, parts of the mine that hadn't collapsed. And apparently, there's thirty something of them, and they're going to have to wait for three months to um to to get rescued which seems like a, a, a huge amount of time to just you know drill something to get to them but um yeah i'm that's been uh, what we've well, heard uh, about uh, the most
1: uh, yeah and so far up to this point they're having to feed them food uh through uh, I, I don't even know how they're doing this through tubes and passageways and whatever they're doing so they're getting their they are getting sort of susten- sustenance down there presumably the air is quality enough to survive that long. And they went as far as sending them all PSPs recently so they could play video games down there, uh, which seemed like a crazy thing because I would have sent them Nintendo DSs or iPhones, but that's just me. <laughs> um, there's not much to plan on. I mean, I, I'm not, trying to think Not enough something. room for an iPad, right? Right, right. <laughs> Plus, you know, I'm imagining. ai a, a, doubt a Chilean is is like me, being all cynical, going, "Man, these are just. I mean, may as well just send us a PS2. These are all just ports of those games anyway. What's the point of having a P? I mean, obviously, they're not thinking that way, but it is. It's nice that they can sustain them this way. But I still have yet to read anything or see anything that explains to me why so long to to make this rescue. It seems well, was, crazy was-
2: to me. I was reading one story that had said uh, they've got, they're, they're trying three approaches. Um, they've brought in three different drills, and one of the drills is working, and they've gotten, I guess, a, they've drilled 130 feet to them, and they're like 2,000, over 2,000 feet down or something, and it's just, I guess, the rock is really hard, and they said the other drill they brought, they've had, the hole they've actually got, which is, um, they sent some video cable down that showed video of them, and it's I guess they're sending letters and things back and forth through this tiny hole. They've got another drill that apparently they want to uh, expand that hole as a secondary option in case the first drill hole collapses in on itself. They'll have this that mm-hmm. that safety hole for them to sort of climb up. And I re- I heard one radio show talking about they want the guys to lose weight um, so they'll get skinny enough to sort of shimmy up this emergency hole I guess and apparently there's a third drill that they're gonna try as well to to make a a third hole so but I guess yeah drilling takes a long time well Well, well, the the
1: thing is the collapse right I mean that's the big fear
0: yeah. I think I think they're safe. I mean uh so first of all they are trapped uh, 700 meters uh, underground which in uh you know Scotspeak is probably uh, a million miles or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> um yeah 700 meters it you know it's it's quite deep so I can understand how drilling something 700 meters uh deep is, is going to be a challenge. Uh, there's 33 of them. And from today's estimate, it, they're not going to be freed until somewhere around uh, November. So it is going to be quite a, a long and uh, strenuous experience for them because even though they are alive and well, they were even uh, joking when they were first discovered. Uh, it was first discovered that they were alive. Um, they 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 do fear a lot of uh depression and uh, other issues uh, uh that might happen between now and then because imagine being trapped with 30 other people in a, a, an apartment sized space and uh, having to you know no access to the outside i mean it, we're we're joking about it a little bit now but it would be quite a horrible uh, situation they're sending people from experts from nasa to um to help them through the experience um yeah, yeah, they have
1: experience with that sort of thing, close quarters and, sure. and that sort of thing. The the one, I mean, the one bright side of this, and hopefully this is a shared feeling by the miners themselves, that is that most mining accidents do end in in death. It's it's very common that no one survives those things. Of course, and we've had a few here in Utah, even that were pretty serious. One that happened not long ago that made international news uh, that happened in uh, I'm to say central southern Utah, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah everybody was killed and there were you know dozens of people down there it's It's really really scary but i I hope that somehow some way they're getting the sense that they're they've hit a bit of providence here and that they're actually in a in a place that means they'll survive if sure. you know we've got obviously the, they've got to do what they can do on top and by the way, for the record, seven hundred meters equals seven hundred and sixty five five sorry seven hundred sixty five point five two nine three oh nine yards <laughs> So I now see why the metric system is so much better because we could just round that down to seven hundred. There you anyway, go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um and uh yeah, so yeah, anyway, it's it's it is indeed a, a difficult experience. You know there's gonna be a movie about it, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean I, not that anything's been announced, but uh yeah. There
1: always says these kinds of things where it's this kind of stuff, especially if they survive, um, you know, this becomes this becomes a huge uh, you know, yeah, movie. Yeah. The question is, do they film it in Spanish and English subtitle it, or do they have everyone talk English and make it all Hollywooded up?
0: Okay, uh, I have a comment from the uh, point five uh, Turkey who says <laughs> that apparently they were a lot of them were uh, cheating on their wives. So I don't know how he knows that, or you know how he. Yeah, so. Leave it up to Turkey to bring the one ridiculous news about something
2: so they were cheating on their wives
0: in the mine Ah, uh, they might have some uh minor on minor action going on there, which might mean that it's going to be a lot less uh difficult to um to to go you know to go for the uh um, what is it uh two or three months that are going to have to wait because they have a People to get them through it. You're Turkey. Really through it. Hey, is Turkey. are you? Is he, is he applying some kind of causation here, or what? I don't know. Uh, Turkey is on the line. Actually, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay long. But are you on your iPhone? Yes, I'm on the iPhone. <laughs> ah, hey, Turkey. Thank hey. you for coming on. Hello. So I guess you, you only have a few minutes, or can you say?
3: No, no, I can be here for maybe half an hour. Ah, thank yeah. We you take so a break between cooking. meals.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, Turkey, Paul, uh, Paul Turkey, and I guess you know Scott. <laughs> hey
3: course. Paul, hey Scott, Hi, Turkey. Hey, is it is
2: it correct to say Happy Ramadan, or do they have a a greeting? Oh uh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Though usually it's uh, and uh, they usually say Ramadan Mubarak. Uh,
2: well, oh, Ramadan oh,
1: Mubarak. You <laughs> oh, <okay.
3: laughs> thank
1: you. <laughs> it sounds like someone's name, but sure, that sounds great. It I sounds would, like
3: would... <laughs> uh,
0: Osni Mubarak a, li- a little
3: bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's probably what I was thinking. <laughs> so, Turkey,
0: please tell us how these poor miners who are stuck 700 meters underground are actually at fault because they are cheating on their wives.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I read this article today, a news article. It was hilarious when I read it. So, apparently, they're giving away money for uh, the families of the miners to help them out while they're stuck there. And uh, these donations, and when they started giving it away... They had a lot of women for some of the miners, like up to five different families, asking that they should be the ones getting the
0: money. (laughs) All right. So it's just it's not actual that they're actually cheating on their wives. It's just people are seeing money and they're like, yes, I am totally the wife of that person stuck.
3: Well, uh, some people think, no, they are actually cheating. That's why they're actually now (laughs) going to send questions. They're going to ask the miners who should get the money. (laughs) Direct.
1: My gosh.
3: It I mean, sounds
2: like they need to get Jerry Springer down there to sort no, all this out. Like
0: Just so start, got, I, t- I told you that you, there would be uh, something interesting to make a movie out of it. There you go. <laughs>
3: you should yeah. have seen it. The, the, I, I, the way I read it, there were fights at the yeah. location where they were g- giving the money and inciting the families in. Oh, Women fighting and shouting. and.
1: <laughs> um, okay, awesome. so... Terrible that that all is happening, and meanwhile they're down there trying to get the high score and luminesce, and they probably don't know what's going on up there. Yeah, I think they're.
3: I think if they knew what's going on up there, I don't think they want to go up there anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's okay, just give it a
0: couple more months. Uh, we're good here. <laughs> all right. Well, so I guess uh, it seems that it's been a a big story for everyone here, right?
3: Yeah uh yeah it's, it's just a normal story not huge i just happened okay. to read it read it today on cnn about this whole women thing <laughs> <and> cheating <laughs> but oh, other right. than that it's just a very basic story it's uh, hardly even noticed
0: okay well here it's been yeah it's been noticed quite a bit but i have to be honest except for that in the really international uh, uh section uh and segment there isn't a lot that's been happening so uh maybe I'll I'll turn to you guys do you guys have I, I mean there are you know the the earthquakes uh in in um uh New Zealand that just happened today and the the floods in um in um ah Pakistan thank you yeah. yes yeah. Uh, that have been very very heavily um uh talked about with one caveat though about this it seems that we talked about it for a month and i think it was an article on the huffington post or something else which made me realize that uh when the tsunami happened you know a few years ago it was a huge, huge deal for the whole duration. And th- these floods are at least as bad. And we talked about it for a week, sure. But now we didn't see the huge uh, um, relief effort and, you know, people rising up and making huge amounts of donation. And it, it's it's so people ha- have a few explana- different explanations for this. One being, you know, there's a, a disaster fatigue, which is you know understandable it's be it might be that uh, we're at the uh, in one part of the cycle where people are like you know i gave for this last year that the year before all right i'm done at least for a little bit and it might be that no one cares about about pakistan which uh, we should care about pakistan
1: but um we probably should. But it, you make a good point that maybe there's a maybe there's a weird bias uh, against them or something. They're always sort of in a negative light on the news, at least in this country, and so there's maybe some bias there. But I tend to think it is more a combination of of disaster fatigue and lack of coverage by major news outlets. And um, I think those add up to mean less in the way of of giving. There's still organizations that give and give freely, and and, and will always do that. And they may not even get the recognition for it, but they, they're always there. But the mass, the mass relief response that we saw during the tsunami uh, stuff was kind of like if you you live in a house and you find a, a homeless dude on your yard and you go out and you give him dinner and a little money and send him on his way, you feel pretty good about yourself. It's like, yeah, that thing was cool. I'm going to let everybody know what I did and, and I'll sleep well tonight because I'm a big giver. And then the next day, another hobo shows up on your yard and you go, oh, well, OK, I, I guess I can do this again. And by Friday, you've had like 12 hobos and you're done. You're kind of done with it. Like you don't want to you don't want to do it anymore. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying, you know, that's I think that that fatigue does set in and you start to feel like, well, I, I've kind of already done this. I feel like I can't do much more. I mean, what else can I do? Can't someone else kick it in? Um, I think that's probably happening, which is which is unfortunate. I mean, there there are people there are people who are affected by this stuff in Pakistan and yeah. the quake today in New Zealand that there is as deserving of people's generosity as anyone was during the tsunami
0: and obviously in in Pakistan in with uh, with poor countries that are hit by terrible disasters like that the the damage the initial damage is huge obviously uh, but then you have the resi- the the, the aftershock damage which is uh people are displaced there's no water you know the 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 real big issues come that you could potentially fix come afterwards so it's it's not just at the moment of the problem where everyone's reporting on it, that people should, uh, should be aware, but also afterwards and maybe even more afterwards. So uh, from what I understand, Scott, it's not been really reported on, um, a lot in, in the U.S. I mean,
1: I would agree with that. It hasn't been, or when it has been, it's kind of a weird after story. Like, uh, uh, people have been really, really focused, whether you're on the right or the left, they've been very focused on all this Glenn Beck crap and, and restoring honor and whatever. And, and they've they've kind of all those rallies and stuff have kind of taken front page and and taken a lot of um, people's attention away from things where, you know, the rubber meets the road, like actual disaster relief and things like mm-hmm. that. I think if the country really wants to regain honor, if it needs if it's there to be regained, is maybe they ought to dip into their pocketbooks and help more. So, mm. yeah. All right. I, well, I, well, I think the attention's misplaced. I'll put it that yeah. way.
0: We'll talk about uh, that, Glenn Beck, uh, and honor whatever thing uh, a little bit later i think it's uh it's a very interesting yeah. uh story to to talk about also uh paul and, and turkey what about you guys on the uh pakistani uh floods
3: Maybe uh, basically paul. Th- there's oh, sorry. a lot so going turkey. on it's, it's, it's big news here of course and there has been a move uh Tethon and uh, and uh, everything to help and uh, collect money to help the uh, people in Pakistan. I think uh, uh, the total from the population and the government uh, money wise I think we already donated around uh, two hundred million dollars, and that's not including all the uh, food and uh, other materials. okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a big deal because of uh, uh, the relationships, uh, one, one basic reason is the relationship between Pakistan and Saudi Arabia. It's uh, an old and uh, very strong relationship. There's always been uh, an interest between these two countries, between the people of these two countries.
0: Right. Okay. And, well, obviously, geographically, you're also a lot uh, closer than, uh, obviously, the U.S. or maybe even uh, <laughs> Hong Kong. Um, well, talking about Hong Kong, what about uh, you, Paul?
2: Yeah, we haven't, it's not really been in the news a lot here. The The news here is kind of interesting because of um, it basically operates in two channels. You have English news and a few English newspapers, and then you have Chinese news and you have a lot of Chinese newspapers. And any, it, it, typically it's the local news, and then it's the China news, and then it's the U.S. news that <laughs> tend to dominate whatever's going on. Um, but the thing is, is that we do have a Muslim community here. We have a, we have several mosques in Hong Kong, and we have a Pakistan community as well. A lot of uh, Pakistanis come here to work and have businesses here. And there are little sub-communities, if you know where to find them, that pop up, little businesses. And, and those businesses sort of ha- are connected by their own network. They'll have their own magazines and newspapers, sometimes that are imported from outside, sometimes that are just small publications locally that serve the local you know the local minority community and within those i mean if you were to go and visit those shops i mean the, it would be a much bigger issue it w- would be what people were talking about or it would be what's on the magazine and the news covers there um so it, it it's there it's just not in because you know the majority of the population here is like um 96% uh chinese so mm. Pretty much, that's what the where the focus goes, basically to mainland China, mm-hmm. um, then to and Hong Kong, and then to the U.S. The U.S. you know is still very dominant in terms of news that okay. is broadcast.
0: You know, we're we're going to talk a little bit more about that situation, uh, you know, media-wise, and how, uh, as I was saying earlier, how China influences uh, Hong Kong since it's now part of it. <coughs> um, but le- let's keep that for later. Um, and let's move on to the last international thing that's been happening that's been very publicized, at least in France, in the last few days. Um and it's it's obviously the um Israel peace accords which have been uh taking place or started again um in the past few days thanks to uh Secretary uh Hilton. Uh oops. Hilton. Hilton Clinton. <laughs> Clinton. Whoa, Paris Hilton is rocking up the ranks. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: I I always uh, knew she was doing <laughs> things. So. And dude, dude, are we going to discuss this uh, BS? We all know well, it's not going to happen. It's just they do this every year, every few months. Every th- every every time. few years, yes. No, no, it's more than every few years. So, well, it's just yeah, a waste I, of I'm, our time. Well,
0: okay, let's let's uh, talk about this. I mean, if, if Is that the way that uh, that it's perceived? Maybe in the Arab world, or I know Turkey or not completely
3: exactly. It's just a waste of time. It's never going to happen. Peace will never going to happen because Israel is refusing to accept uh, pulling back from the sixty seven borders. So it's never going to happen.
1: Well, if they do, though, then
3: if they do, the Saudi Arabia and the led and has put on the table an agreement that all the Arab nations have signed uh, a few years ago that clearly says uh, peace will be established and uh, diplomatic relationships will be established with Israel, with all the Arab countries, if Israel pulls back to the 67 borders.
1: Interesting. Yeah, so, so I, that- I, 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 I mean, Turkey is known on this show for being... Uh, the cynical. negative, yeah, cynical of, of everybody who's on here, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I think it's a good <laughs> dose of sort of reality sometimes. But I'm I tend to be on the optimistic side of of things, and I why, while I don't think, uh, you know that the Secretary Hilton or Clinton are going <laughs> to uh, are going to be the ones that necessarily pull this off. I think we're it will come from within. It isn't going to come from us nudging or bugging or or whatever. We have our influences, but it seems yeah. like for. Real change to come, it's going to have to come from within, and that means Israel
3: making... Yeah, but it will never happen with this Israeli government. Definitely it will never happen. We're talking an extreme right government, very religious, very extremist. So just look at their foreign minister. So that clearly would never happen during this government. So I do think it's a waste of time.
0: Well, you do bring up a, a good point, which is I was surprised that this government even went to sit at the table. Uh, to begin with, because uh, when they they first uh, got in power, and even to this day, I mean, it's been uh, issue after issue of actually expansionism, and uh, I'm not saying it's good or bad here, I'm sure people have their opinions about this, but... It's, it's been a very uh, expansionist uh, government. And I was very surprised that they would even go and sit down at the table. yeah, uh, no, you know, the only
3: reason is about. the Flotella PR.
0: Oh, so you're saying they are uh, trying to appease uh, the uh, public opinion. Yeah, after the international
3: community just trying them to relax and get them off uh, their back for a while.
0: Okay. Well, I guess yeah. It it could. To be honest, I have to say, for for once or uh, for once in a few times, I'm actually probably uh, agreeing with Turkey that I don't know that peace is never going to happen. Maybe it might. You know, uh, it, it might happen at some point. But uh, with this government, it seems difficult be- because even if they do get on the um, on the right uh, path, it seems like at some point. They are going to open new uh, colonies, which are going to bring everything down. Or and
3: plus, and plus, this government, even if they do bend and decide to sign a peace agreement, they this government will not have a, t- a chance to sign it because this government is going to fall immediately because yeah. it's a coalition government which has the extremist uh, uh, Zionist uh, Jews uh, part of this uh, coalition who would never ever agree to any peace. Right. And we're talking about the same coalition where one of the rabbis went and started a prayer asking that may God uh, demolish all the Palestinians, the enemies of Israel, and Abbas, the leader of of Palestine.
0: Right. Well, Okay, let's not, you know, you can't really take one example and say, so, you know, there's this one who's an extremist and so everything no, is going to because of No, no,
3: no. I'm talking about this is a coalition. Right, yes. This I guy, understand. it's one of the members. If this, if the, if his group in the coalition, the, the pulls out, the entire government falls down. Right. So that's what I'm, yeah. saying. I'm saying. I'm not saying as an uh, the entire government. I'm saying the government itself is weak because the type of coalition it's having is a very weak coalition. Anything can break it. Yeah. There, there's definitely a lot of that.
0: Uh, it, I mean, to be honest, the, the, it's been reported as, in France, it's been reported as, finally, hope is alive again. You know, finally, they are sitting down talking and it might happen, which, you know, it's like it might happen reported in the same way that it's been reported as for the past, you know, for ever since I've been following the news, which is every two or three years you have the Americans uh, forcing a meeting between the two parties and getting people to i'm not saying it's futile i'm saying it's you know they they force the two parties to finally talk and start getting somewhere and sometimes you know every three or five or seven years they actually almost reach an agreement it was the case you know at camp david and what was it 95 or it it might happen somewhere down the line uh but i have to say for this specific uh, uh, configuration here, it seems very unlikely that they are actually going to get somewhere. But I have to say, it is very good that um, they are at least ma- giving the appearance of talking. That's always something. And uh, Turkey, you're talking about the coalition on the Israeli side, uh, on on the... Uh, um, um, Palestinian side it's also very difficult because obviously uh, Abbas is, is talking but you know you don't have the, the Fatah is not involved in the talks and they are never going to negotiate I mean Hamas. Oh, Hamas sorry I mean Hamas yes uh, they they are never going to be to to agree to even speak with that government so there's also another
3: point Actu- of, actually uh, in a way Hamas is, is the, it's not as difficult as you would think really Hamas relies relies on many Arab countries if Abbas can make peace, those Arab countries will be able to force Hamas to accept it. Okay. Because uh, Hamas I'm, I'm... is nothing. Because, the look, the, their idea, ideology, yeah, definitely they would never want peace and they would do anything to break it up. However, financially and uh, p- from power-wise, they cannot do anything without the support of the Arab country, governments. And if the Arab governments, all of them go against them, they will be completely lost
0: i guess that's what i mean i don't think yeah. they are they, they they are going to have pressure to yeah. agree to something especially they would be very very resistant to pressure you know to agree yeah. with that yeah. well okay um maybe we can you know i we never really uh, hear from um from asia so paul disclaimer you are asia okay. um <laughs> about <laughs> this um do, do does asia care about the uh, Middle East and the issues between uh, Palestine and Palestinians and uh, Israelis? Because when I was living in Japan, I, I don't remember seeing a lot about this, but, you know, mentioned, but it's like that thing happening over there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it'll pop up on the news. Um, but again, it's it's really much more in focus when the U.S. is involved. So we, you know, we saw Hillary, Hillary, Hillary Clinton, I want to say Paris Hilton, sorry, um, her head... <laughs> Popping up there, you know, uh, talk, talking about the things going on. Uh, but much more in focus when you talk about the tensions over here, it's always between, you know, China and Taiwan or what's going on in Korea. So you, there, is a, there is a sense of this being, you know, very far removed from, uh, you know, sort of out of sight, out of mind from in, in the minds of local people. Um, It does, you know, you can find it in the newspapers, you can find these things going on, but it's usually in the back, they'll have like a world news section, and they'll have a small article that's been taken from Reuters or from Associated Press, and however they've chosen to cover it.
0: Fair enough. Um, Does it also appear in like uh, Chinese, official Chinese news, like there's some sort of uh, people's channel of truth or something, and... uh, do they talk about this on the propaganda channels
2: um i you know i i don't i, I do read uh, the mainland Chinese news every now and again um you you can get you can watch get the English version of the china daily for free online right. um they only say they only really get in to talk about things like this when it seems that there's an issue within China that it's somehow related to so um sometime back they had the what, the uprisings in western china with the um Uyghurs who are muslim sure and there was some violence and so then the whole notion of you know uh, muslim stories in other parts of the world started getting into focus after that died down um, those types of stories uh seemed to die die down as well and again officially china is is an atheist country um right. so they they try not to play too much on religious conflict or international stories that deal specifically with um, religion or religious issues.
0: Yeah. Um, well, there are huge geopolitical uh, consequences, obviously. But um... yes,
2: and and China is is getting a lot more. They're trying to be a lot more uh, present on the political stage, and they're they're having more of a presence in Africa, making deals with um, some of the some of the rulers there because of their desire for resources. Sure. And, you know, they do have uh, trade agreements with Iran and and some of the countries that would be deemed antagonistic by the West. Mm. Um, and, you know, as, as, a, as a result, there's always, you know, issues in international treaties and negotiations and those types of things. And, you know, you kind of see China as sitting on the other side of the fence with regard okay. to a lot of that.
0: Hmm. yeah i see
1: all right um let's let me ask a fast question what came of the when you had the arafat and and dingus pitchers together shaking hands uh, with clinton back in the 90s Mm -hmm. i mean what that really represent did it do anything did it change anything like turkey did that have any impact on the peace process did it push us forward did it push us back did it stall anything I mean, what effect did that have? I call him Dingus because I don't remember his name. But the... Is it... Uh,
0: Rabin, it? Rabin? Rabin? Yeah, right. Yeah.
3: Rabin, yeah. yeah wow. That's... Uh, it, it was a huge deal in the Arab world. It was a complete shock. So nobody, even even people would look at it like you can just imagine people staring at TV with their mouths open and <laughs> their jaws on the floor and just looking unbelievably at what's going on. So...
0: Well, you have it's, to remember that Arafat was the 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 one terrorist. You know, he was the the terrorist leader uh, at that point, and he was, you know, whatever you want to call it, enemy of the state. Top priority for the government, the
3: Israeli government, to get. Um, well, well, we call them we call them freedom fighters. Right, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I right. uh, was
0: well,
1: so, just, just curious because it just. You know, we, we talk about it cropping up every three years, and then every every administration claims victory. Like, oh, look at this, the cans at the Rose Garden, and everybody's smiling and, and all that. And then I don't, you know, three years later, we're still, ah, somebody bombed somebody, and they're fighting over land, and everybody hates each other. And Well,
3: well that's you know. yeah, why I... Uh, as, 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 uh, I said it was a shock for most people when it happened and when they saw it. And uh, actually, it was a minority, but there suddenly there were people who were optimistic... However, as the time goes on, people just, even those who were optimistic one day after seeing that that uh, handshake are now not that optimistic as they used to be.
0: Yeah, I have to say um, that was, if there is ever one moment where hope was the highest, uh, that was the moment. It was 95, I think, uh, because... Arafat, who was considered, uh, yeah, a freedom fighter slash you know terrorist, depending on what side of the uh, of the fen- fence you're standing, uh, at that point f- was a legitimate uh, uh, politician trying to achieve peace. And then it fell apart. You can argue whose fault it was, but at that point there was definitely a very serious hope. at least in some people's mind, and I don't think it's ever been as high as it was then uh, since. Um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's move on to... uh, Can we talk a little bit um, Ramadan? I guess we do do that every year almost, but uh, Turkey, the reason why you couldn't be here when we started the show was... Ramadan's over, everyone's eating now, is that it? Uh,
3: Fasting is over, everybody's eating right now. Uh, Quick uh, information, Ramadan is a holy month, it's it's the Islamic lunar calendar, Uh, it's about 30 days long, and throughout these 30 days, Muslims all around the world, over a billion Muslims, all fast uh, during the daylight, which is from sunrise until sunset, no drink nothing to drink no no food and uh, no sex or anything else and uh, until sunset and that's usually at sunset is uh, one of the times for prayer which is maghrib prayer uh, and that's when people break their fast and start eating again
0: dude that must be like mcdonald's must be super full at that point of the day mm. okay. No, yeah I'm, i that was a joke obviously it wasn 't funny um, <laughs> yeah. but uh that you know i i don 't think i 've ever done that like not eat from sunrise to sun uh down i mm. I, I think it might be impossible for me i would collapse i 'm just saying well,
3: I, it sure. really and it really depends on which part of the world you are <laughs> and because how long the day is right of course yeah so there are people who actually like uh, i think right now uh up north, they're now fasting from, I think, 4 a.m. until 9 p.m. And yeah. while here, we're only fasting, like, I think, uh, about 4 a.m. until uh, 6, uh, 6 uh, 10 p.m. So, uh, so, And, you, of course, you have the weather. Now it's summer, so that doesn't really help much for fasting. But and you of can't course, drink, I didn't a, realize. No, you, you cannot drink. And since it's a lunar calendar... The, the seasons differ every year so we we don't have a fixed season ramadan does not come during a fixed season so it changes every year so maybe every 10 years it changes the to an opposite season either winter or summer
0: okay um and what about elder the el- elderly do, do they have uh, to not
3: no those who are not able either for medical reasons uh age or anything are allowed to eat however they are expected if they are able to make it up uh, if they are only eating because they can't fast this time only but they are capable of fasting they have to fast later on to make it up and some uh, other. so if you're can,
0: sick or something you're in the hospital yeah. then you can do it now you can do it when you come out of the hospital
3: yeah you come it doesn't have to do be during ramadan if you are a peer it cannot Uh, eat because you're too old and the doctor forbids you from fasting period, then you are, if you're financially able, you're required to feed uh, 10 10, uh, poor people every day you miss. Wow. Yeah.
2: Awesome. How about for kids? Is there there an age
3: when Uh, they start doing this? uh, Usually at 15, but some kids start at an earlier age, but it's more like a training. Things so they're not really required to fast until after 15, as a whole day. Like my my uh, cousins uh, is uh, about 12. One of my cousins and he 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 fasts with us, but when he really can't handle it, he just eats and he's okay with that.
0: Okay. Uh, so yeah, if I if that was me, I would be like, yeah, it's nine nine a.m. I can handle it. Nine thirty, okay. Ten. <laughs> just give me something
3: you know you know when it comes to ramadan this is what makes it unique it's it's more of a spiritual thing so for example uh, i would talk about myself personally if i i cannot fast any other day other than ramadan if i try to fast any other days i just get hungry like crazy and i just fall over but for some reason when i'm fasting uh, during ramadan i actually enjoy it and i really don't feel any hunger So it's 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 and plus because everybody's fasting with me, like the entire country is fasting here, and you have the support of your family and everything. It's a spiritual thing, so it really comes down that it's specific, uniquely to Ramadan. Ramadan is very unique in uh, how you feel when you're fasting, Mm. but definitely uh, outside of Ramadan, I could never do that.
0: Okay,
1: yeah, I think it's a state of mind thing, and it just sort sort of depends on why you're doing it. If you're just doing it for a diet, you're gonna have a much harder time dealing with that. If it's something that has some sort of broader meaning, I could see it, you know, sure. being less. Uh, and it less does different.
3: have a, a general broader meaning in, in general. If you really look into it, and which many people do appreciate, just uh, although not everybody appreciates, many people actually just ruin it when it's time to eat, hmm. which is they're supposed to feel the hunger of the poor people and so on, and then some people. Uh, actually, when it comes to eat, they turn into pigs and start eating like crazy, mm. so, and so and it's completely lost. What about, lost on.
0: What about uh, a foreigner, someone who's not a Muslim, who lives in Saudi Arabia, where obviously everyone is fasting, as you were saying? Yeah. Can they get food, or is it like... In uh, Saudi
3: Arabia, it's uh, forbidden to eat in public. In during public, Ramadan. okay. Yeah. In public so does, is this the day
2: bad for Ramadan. restaurants and their business during
3: this period? No, no, no! Actually, their business booms during the spirit. because uh, at
0: night everyone actually wants to go out. And, yes,
3: uh, everybody you know. wants to go out. Uh, people go out more during Ramadan than any other uh, day and month. So, so a lot so of people go out, out and eat that, and everything.
1: Yeah. yeah, it probably makes up for that that days and maybe even then some. But uh, so so if I'm a, but if I'm an American dude living in Saudi Saudi Arabia and I walk out on the street and I eat a bag of sun chips or something, what happens? You get
3: arrested, to me? dude. <laughs> you get arrested. Uh, that's if the police catch you. If some other person, they might give you advice and let you go. But if you really piss off someone, that you get arrested. It's, it's against the law. It's punishable.
0: So, 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 do you get a fine or something worse? Uh, jail time. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Good Lord. three yeah, days
3: yeah. or three months? No, no, maybe three days, something like that, okay. or even less. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's, but it really and also depends on what faith you are. So if you're not a Muslim, they might, oh, uh, maybe he doesn't know, don't understand. And if the first time they catch you, they might just let you go. Okay. Give you a good lesson on, on what Ramadan is and what you should do and, and threaten you, then let you go. If you're a Muslim, you're definitely in trouble. Okay.
0: Yeah, See, But if got... you
3: eat in private, you can eat all you want You're in your home. Uh, supermarkets are open, so you can buy food anytime.
0: Mm. Okay. So, Scott, keep your sun chips in your hand.
1: <laughs> I, you know what? I really will if I'm ever there. I will not.
3: <laughs> <eat>. <laughs> All I'm right. during Ramadan.
0: <laughs> You're free to eat sun chips like a pig uh, any hour you want if it's not Ramadan. All right. I know. So let's move on to more uh, to something that Paul wanted to talk about. Uh, It's actually the reason you first got in touch with me. You were like, dude, you have to talk about that thing happening in the Philippines. It's insane. And I was like, "Uh, I think I've sort of heard of it. So why don't you come (laughs) on the show and talk about it? So there you go.
2: Okay, well, um, this was an incident that happened uh, on August 23rd, uh, Monday, about just over a week and a half ago. And uh, basically, it was a tour tour bus from a local tour company here in Hong Kong that was touring in the Philippines. And uh, the bus was hijacked by a former police officer. His name was uh, Rolando Mendoza. And his demands were kind of strange. He wanted his job back, and he wanted back pay for the days that had been missed and there were at i think at the start there were like 25 hostages including the tour guide and the bus driver and throughout the course of the day he had let some of the, some of them go there was a an elderly woman who was kind of sick and uh, he let some of the kids younger kids go and i think he had about um 15 people um on by later in the evening and the so, so it was, I'm sorry, Paul,
0: just, just so yep. that we understand. So there was this uh, tour bus full of uh, people from Hong Kong, Chinese people, that, yes. was, that was in the Philippines. He got yes. on the bus and you know the bus was uh, stopped in a city. And he was like, okay, hostage, I want this, this and this, or I'm going to do something bad. Yeah, and the bus a, was t- in the street.
2: Yeah, this took place in Manila, and basically, the story, as the story has it, he got on the bus trying to say, hey, can you guys, like, give me a ride? Uh, he wanted a free ride to someplace, and uh, apparently the tour guide was saying, no, I'm sorry, but he basically forced his way onto the bus, and then he sort of took control. And um, uh, he had an M16, and he had, um, I, I'm not sure if he had a pistol, um, but he was he was well-armed. so negotiations started and you know it came it's it started breaking on news here locally and so there was a little bit of live coverage at one point the bus tried to leave and uh, they had police snipers in place and they shot the tires out of the bus to prevent it from leaving and as the day went on and things started to get uncovered um, they brought his brother who was also a police officer in to try and do some negotiating and by the evening, everything kind of sort of just fell apart. And he started, he shot a couple people. The police started to move in and he just started shooting everybody. And this was in all happening. Yes, all the hostages. All the hostages, yeah. Jesus. And this was happening basically live on TV for people here in Hong Kong. And it was unfiltered, un, sort of uncensored. And it was just, it, it was one of those, you know, TV moments um, which you you it kind of sticks with you sort of like 911 uh, or Tiananmen Square for people in China that you're just watching these events unfold and you're you're kind of in a state of shock because you can't believe what you're seeing is sort of really happening um, so i i think to date um eight of the people who were on the bus have died um one still in critical critical condition a few others are injured. A few bystanders got hit by bullets um, that were flying out of the bus. And the whole rescue by the Philippine police was also being broadcast on TV and uh, apparently, you know, from most people's perspective, they did not do a very good job. Um, It took them over an hour and a half or so to get into the bus itself. Um, And they finally did finally get in the bus and they had put in tear gas and a sniper had eventually got him. But a lot of people are saying that they had multiple opportunities earlier in the day um, when he sort of – there were there are there pictures of him sort of coming off the bus through the door to talk to the police negotiators at a couple points where they could have taken him out, and they didn't. And so a lot of people are blaming the Philippine police. There's a lot of politics that are involved here too because apparently there are two people. There's a mayor involved and there's another person involved in the government. Um, the mayor is sort of, I guess, under the new president, uh, whose name is Benigno Aquino. And right. this so other we talked guy about is this
0: with uh, in, with uh, Kerwin, a few yeah, a few
2: times. Yeah. And the other guy is a lef- is sort of a leftover c- cabinet member or something from the previous president. So there's, you know, there there's some people who are saying that the the directions that were being given were kind of at odds. Um, but everybody sort of looked at the job the, the police did, and some people said it was very much like a Keystone Cops kind of operation. Um, further reports have come out successively every day about mistakes that were made, and uh, people are blaming the police. And we have a large Filipina community in Hong Kong who work here as um, domestic workers, as sort of family helpers. And there's been talks of, like, people firing their domestic workers and retaliation. Really? Yeah, and it's been... Uh, it's it's been a very interesting and tragic thing to see this this kind of thing unfold um but what's even more interesting now is um the, the thing that happened in the US a few days ago with um i don't know if you heard about this the discovery channel there was a bomber right, there was
0: a hostage situation yeah who yeah.
2: yeah. went in a guy named his i think his name's James Lee he went into the discovery channel he's sort of an extremist an extreme environmentalist i guess and he wanted the Discovery Channel to make more Discovery Channel shows about saving the planet. You know, I I like the Discovery <laughs> Channel. I think they make some really great shows. And I, I guess they're not good enough for him. Um, you know, I I, I was kind of mad that he was threatening dirty jobs. Um, But, <laughs> you know, the thing, the, the thing is, is this guy went in. He had bombs. He had some hostages. And the police just got an opportunity and they took him out. And so now they're comparing the the Manila operation uh with this u s operation um to sort of highlight the deficiencies of the Manila police force so it's you know it's just been an interesting sort of week and a half that's gone on is and you know, a lot of people in Hong Kong are very upset, and some people have compared it to uh nine eleven and I think that's an unfair comparison, obviously. It's nowhere near that amount of loss of life, but it's that I think it's that shock value of seeing these things happen on live t v in real time uncensored um well and, you know,
0: yeah i mean it's it's obviously not the same scale, but I can see how you know it is a a horrible shock watching the situation unfold for you know a little while and then actually witnessing you know you're you're seeing things go crazy and he's actually shooting the people that he was uh, holding hostage it's absolutely a, a shock that would be um you know that would mark you forever you know yeah and and
2: there's there's been a couple amazing stories that have come out of it for example um one of the one of the survivors who made it off the bus um, by the end of it um she lived basically because her husband covered her when he was oh going God. down shooting everybody. And, and um, there was another boy whose younger sister did the same thing for him. And I think he's still in critical condition. Um, so, you know, out of tragedy, you can see some pretty amazing things come to light. But still, a lot of people simply look at this and say it shouldn't have happened. Um, I think a lot of people didn't expect it to happen because this guy was supposedly a police officer. Now, the, the background of the story is is that he lost his job because of corruption. Um, and there's this whole corruption story that's been uncovered, and he was simply saying that apparently it, he was being set up. That you know he wasn't a corrupt cop, and he wanted, it, and that's why he wanted his job back. But then um, something happened with his brother, and he thought his brother was being arrested on the scene after his brother had come in to talk with people, and apparently he was on the radio. Uh, live when this was happening and getting very angry he saw his brother getting taken away by the Philippine police and that's when he kind of snapped mm. and started shooting people Jeez. Um, but again this is one of those things where it's kind of really hard to know um, all of the details because of the way things were happening and uh, it'll probably take more time for things to you know the the real truth to sort of come out if it ever will
1: well, the comparison to nine eleven is, to me, uh, perhaps where they're coming from, and, and and I I do think there's a fallacy of comparison there, certainly at the on many levels. But one of the levels you could maybe compare would be the reaction to such things sometimes leads to, you know, terrible forms of discrimination. I mean, if they're firing Filipino workers in Hong Kong because of something that happened in in the Philippines that has nothing to do with that person that you had hired to be your you know maid or whatever is is just downright ridiculous to me, and a lot yeah. of that happened here after nine yeah. eleven Suddenly, anybody who uh, looked Arab, thought they were Arab, thought they were Muslim, were suddenly you know outcasts in every possible way There were violence against Sikhs who have nothing to do with anything to do with Islam I mean all that kind of stuff seems to always happen, and people lump an entire people or culture or ethnic group into one. You know one one broad stroke, and that's that is unfortunately probably some of the comparison they're making to
0: nine eleven well you know i this is a result of the horrendous shock of actually witnessing something like that. I think you go to these extremes because you don 't know how to deal with what you're you know witnessing and actually conceptualizing that that person on your screen is actually active you know is killing people, and uh you know for our generation. That grew up with uh, what a lot of people said were, you know, violent. Well, they were violent movies or video games, and people say there's they are going to make you unable to to differentiate reality from what's imaginary and what you're, you know, seeing in these movies. But I think it's very clear when we imagine that situation. Uh, your your recount of the of the uh, uh, the development of the whole thing, Paul, was for me it made me extremely you know uneasy and uncomfortable i i'm sure that the the our listeners uh, felt the same um and it's it's a very it's a very uh strong indication that even though you know we we do watch these violent movies and all that it it, it doesn't mean that we can't make the difference and i don't know i it's just to say that the the reason why I would equate it to nine eleven in not in the 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 scope, but it's that feeling of horror witnessing that horror, and it does have an impact on you. It does have an effect, uh, an effect on you. Um, but um, Turkey is getting a phone call uh, to relieve the tension. Thank you, Turkey. But um, no, we didn't. Uh, we, we didn't hear. You know, it was mentioned, I'm sure here, but it didn't make a huge. Splash. Um, yeah. So that is a little bit surprising. I had no idea it was so, uh, so shocking.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, understanding Hong Kong is kind of a special place. So anything that happens here, it, it tends to become a little bit like a tempest in a teapot. Um, you know, it it gets really sort of blown up out of proportion. But I, I do agree that, that that sense of, you know, discomfort, that sense of, of shock is really completely different from you know going in and playing modern warfare or or, or gta i mean because i've i've been exposed to plenty of violence in video games and movies and i never got that same sense Mm. um you know as as when i was watching this or or when i had saw what was going on during 9-11 or in tiananmen square back in uh, the 80s so
0: yeah it's interesting for us it seems obvious that you know we we are horrified by these horrifying things but um all right. Uh, Turkey, you've been very silent. Uh,
3: anything you want to add before we move on? Uh, yeah, I need to go and eat. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And just in case anybody's curious, the way we eat is we usually have a very simple snack, which is basically some dates and coffee and maybe some juice. Relax for an hour or two. Then we have our main meal. Ah, okay. So that was yeah. the dates and the coffee. And yeah. then now
0: you're going to get the real thing. Yes, now I'm gonna get the real thing. Can you tell us <laughs> what that's
3: gonna be? I'm sort of. Well, familiar. it uh, d- depends, but usually on our table, which is usually the traditional meal in Saudi, there's usually soup, which is mostly oatmeal soup.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah dude, I'm like, I-, I was hungry. Now I'm not. Thank you. Oh, uh, <laughs> you should try it. Then you can say. Okay,
3: <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Oatmeal hey. soup. Keep going. No, it's very popular, it's very huge. Uh, we have something called sambusa, which is basically, uh, most, uh, usually it's about uh, ground meat uh, with uh, uh, parsley and onions cut I'll into small pieces together and then put inside uh, some dough and then fried
0: the yeah so. sambousek i i told you i was yeah. uh, born in lebanon didn't i yeah
3: yes you yeah. did yeah. yeah yeah so
0: that's that's the kind of thing yes
3: yeah. so that's usually every table has it then there's other different meals depending on which table is it which family wherever sometimes there's full, which is a type of beans uh, there's uh, uh maybe some rice and chicken so stuff like that so really depends okay. on the on the home you're going to and the family. Sure. So that's that's the basic meals. no,
0: hmm. I had no idea. That's... Oh, sorry, we didn't hey. really hear you.
3: Yeah, oh, Scott. When, when when, you... when I get, when I visit the U.S., I'll drop by and make you some oatmeal soup, and we'll see whether you like it or not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I will anything once, but uh, yeah. I may also bring it once. So we'll see. <laughs> Deal.
0: All right. Well, thank you for coming on uh, Turkey. It was really nice of you to take the time. And uh no, have a nice awesome.
3: meal. You too. Thanks. Uh, and enjoy your chat. Thank you. Bye.
0: <laughs> All right. Um so let's move on to um well, I guess Scott. Uh you were talking about these lovely lovely tea baggers um who are doing something. <laughs> let's <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's their name. That's how they're called, right? Um, tea Party
1: It's not tea baggers. I don't the, think, but yes, go ahead. It's
0: it's the Tea Party movement, and they're the tea baggers. They're <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, um, they play yeah, exactly yeah, something like that. Um, so let, let's let's try to keep an open mind uh, and let's try to understand what's happening there and not you know rush to the conclusion that these people are horrible.
1: Um, okay well je- let me just give you kind of the general breakdown of why I kind of have an issue with the the Tea Partiers. It isn't so much. What's funny is if you if you break me down into my component pieces, you'll find that I'm very fiscally conservative. I lean libertarian. Um I am not a uh, there there I I certainly kind of lean a little bit liberal on certain social issues. Um and stuff like that, but but that's actually kind of my problem is a two party system just ain't working for me anymore because I don't really I kind of I'm this amalgamation of many different viewpoints. Um, but so all of that being said, I understand a lot of the 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 foundation of where folks are coming from on that side of the of of conservatism. Um, the problem I have with it, and the problem that I have with Glenn Beck specifically, aside from the fact that a lot of Utahns really really like him. Um, and And like him to the point that it doesn 't matter what he says they 'll sort of just sort of follow uh is this is this oversimplification of the issues um that they, they get up at these rallies and they say we need to take our country back we need to get back to our the basics our our fundamentals our our you know are the the things that made this country great when we when we founded this nation on trust and honesty and it 's all stuff that sounds really good in a storybook kind of way hmm. but nobody ever gets up and says but but don't but not we don't want to talk about the stuff like how we you know some of our predecessors gave the indians blankets full of smallpox and we don't want to talk about how we essentially raped and pillaged the land of the native americans and 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 shoved them off into what essentially amounts to you know minimum security prisons in the form of uh, you know, where they live now and, and how we've sort of ruined many tribes to the point that they don't even have an identity. And, you know, we're, we're nobody's talking about that at these tea parties. They're talking about this fictitious thing uh, that 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 somehow exists that, you know, it's, it's a very American thing. We love the underdog pulls himself up by the bootstraps, becomes a great nation, is the do-gooder that goes around the world and brings, you know, good and democracy and peace and everything. But it's never this simple, and unfortunately, it plays upon people's desire for a simple answer mm. and so mm. so people sign up and they sign up in droves. Three hundred thousand people came to that event and wow. so can you, Bec- explain, over- yeah,
0: can you explain what that event is because uh I'm not sure everyone will know
1: yeah, it was the I've already forgotten the name Bring Honor back to America rally or whatever the heck he called it i forgot anyway he they they coincided it with Martin Luther King. Juniors uh c- uh speech um uh that th- was the same date as when he gave that I have a dream speech in front of the Lincoln Memorial and they did that on purpose because they said that they want to take this country back the way that the civil rights movement did and, and so we're going to take that vision back you know it, it essentially assigning themselves ownership of the of the uh civil rights movement mm-hmm. uh, which had nothing to do with Rich, so, but what, class, what, rich white people trying to have a different kind of agenda. It kind of bugs me a little bit that that's that's how it was represented. But that that was kind of the idea, and the whole and the whole idea again is to stand up and say the country's in the wrong direction. Our current administration is terrible. Uh, we're all. But becoming, what is, how,
0: how do they how do they consider that the country is dishonorable? You know why is it that is it the 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 um, you know the social health the. Uh, God losing. No, no, you're
1: you're you're on the right path. And that's the problem is it's very convoluted and it's very oversimplified. And their their complaint is that we're becoming a socialist nation, that we are signing away our rights, that we're giving away our freedoms. Um, It's all very hyperbole, though. It's all this surface talk. It's never specifics. It's always, you know, the, the government is taking away our rights and we have to stand up and fight for them. That is a very two-hour movie climactic scene and a freaking Mel Gibson movie kind of thing to be saying. And Mm. it's, it brings, it inspires people and it gets them standing up and doing something about it. But it's just a bunch of talk if you don't educate people about what's going on. And I have no problem with people having a a specific view. I mean, I think we're overtaxed. I think we should have way less taxes. I totally agree with that. There's a bunch of issues that they that they're very, you know, that they sometimes get specific about that I kind of agree with. But to stand up and rally people around this this weird storybook sort of stance on everything, I think it's just dangerous because it's much more complicated than that and it doesn't nobody a service to to, to boil it down to these these core little values that everybody of course has and holds everybody loves their kids and wants a future and you know to to play on that well it's and a it, very
0: populist way of uh, of getting people wild up and uh, yeah obviously when you tell them you know we want a better future and uh, you are worried so if you're worried i will tell you that there is a way to not be worried and that's to follow me it's it's yeah, the the problem is I've obviously I've been following a little bit of it and uh, people talk about it a lot, but I still don't know exactly what these people want, what this movement is about, what Glenn Beck wants to, you know, change in the political system, except for, you know, he thinks that Obama is a reverse racist or something.
1: No, you're exact, You're absolutely at the core of my problem, that you're saying exactly what I mean. And that is that they aren't really presenting even an alternative so much as they are just an outrage of some sort that everybody needs to get behind and get excited about. But it doesn't say anything about what. what is the end game for any of that? If the end game is just to have a, a Republican president in power, well, all right, wait another few years and let's see if we can vote him out. But but my it's it's a very it's very weird in that way, and that's why it's so unsettling to me. And I don't doubt the sincerity of most people involved. In fact, I think Glenn Beck is head and feet into this. I think he is a hundred percent believer in whatever the hell it is he's doing. Really, you makes, think so? I really do.
2: I, I do. I don't know. I, I mean, it, he just comes off to me as somebody who's who's riding this this wave of you know discord in in a lot of people because times are bad and and finances are bad. I mean, if you look at his history, I mean, back in the 90s, he just got bumped around from one DJ job to the other. You know, he got fired from a few and he ended up in in Florida on a radio program there. And I think he got hired for CNN, um, for his CNN show, um, I think 2005 or 2006. And suddenly he's like, you know, bigger than
1: Rush Limbaugh and uh, Sean Hannity. Oh, you mean his his Fox show? Yeah. No, you're totally right. He was kind of a come out of nowhere kind of guy. And he is, you're totally right. He's riding that wave of discord. And he's, he's making like $40 million a year or some crazy amount. So he's got motivations that are outside just the whatever he thinks he's doing good. But I think that he has integrated this stuff so hardcore into his persona, regardless of the original motivators, that I think he really thinks... I think he's full of some kind of weird, uh, it's more than celebrity. It's more than, I don't even know how to explain it. But for, for a guy like that to be able to rally 300,000 people.
0: So, okay, f- let's, let's reframe it a little bit. That rally was a success and it was, you know, there is a real movement behind it. It's not like, uh, you know, Fox just blowing it out of proportion. And it is actually a real thing happening.
1: Oh, for sure. 300,000 people is a lot of freaking people. There's no yeah. question about it. Yeah. There's no question about it. There's – I guess, again, this is my problem is that it is a real movement and I'm not saying some of the issues aren't legitimate. I'm saying that this entire thing based on gut reaction and emotional sort of – I don't know. It just sort of – it's all about emotion and surface and like, yeah. I am paying too much in taxes. I'm going to march to Washington and yell for twenty minutes about nothing, and I don't really have a plan for anything. You know, I don't, I don't know what they. I mean, what is their plan? And Sarah Palin over there off in the corner, you know, still trying to convince Americans that our current president is a Muslim is just ridiculous to me. <laughs> I mean, I made, a, I did, I did a Twitter post on the other day that said, you know, that this, this, uh, everybody calling or trying to convince each other that Obama's still a Muslim reminds me of in the '90s when I used to refer to. To Barbara Bush as the Quaker Oats man and I really believe that because it's silly it's ridiculous and, it's, and it, even if it isn't silly and ridiculous then Obama looks silly and ridiculous for denying it because somehow that's construed as anti you know Muslim or Islam or something I mean the whole thing is just this ugly emotion based gut reaction thing and the best comparison I can give you to, to watch to see what I mean is when the Daily Show sends somebody to these rallies and these guys ask questions, yeah. And I know it's all for comedy, and it ends up being very funny. But they'll ask questions that people can't answer, like, "Well, what do? You, what is the plan then?" And they don't know what to say. They just stumble over themselves and go, "Well, we're just here because we're taking our country back. We're gonna come out here and just get the whole. It's our country, damn it. We said this country is founded on. Okay, all right. Well, what's your what's your plan? well, we got to get the country back. I mean, that that is no plan. That is no nothing. And so. That scares me because that's just people following somebody blindly because they're emotionally wrapped up in the in the moment. And and that's scary. Do you
0: think uh, do you think uh Glenn Beck is gonna run for office?
1: I think that Glenn
0: Beck I, I think
1: of all these guys that are these ultra white ring, right wing dudes that are kind of pushing all this stuff, of all of them, he's the most likely to run because he also has probably the least crazy past that would come back to haunt him
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, i'd be surprised though i mean i think if you look at sarah palin now i mean she's making so much more money doing the whole talk show and and rally circuit than she ever was as a politician um and you look at like rush limbaugh who's got you know more money than you know probably a lot of small countries in the world They that's what they do. They they just you know, they rally and they write books and they have their shows and they get sponsors and they get a lot of sponsorship from the parties they support and they just make a lot of money. And I just don't to me, it doesn't seem like they really have a strong interest. Now, Glenn Beck, I could probably see doing that because, like Scott was saying, he he does come across as having this sense of himself as being something more. Whereas I think like Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh probably realized, well, this is our place. This is where we're good. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. But the, the thing for me is it's not just the Tea Party anymore. It seems that all the parties have this problem where it's all about the rhetoric. Um, there yeah. was an issue with, um, I, I think, what is his name, uh, Gibbs, who's the spokesperson um, for the president. William he came Hibs? out and... No, I I think that's uh, Robert Gibbs. I think it's. Yeah, he came out and he said uh, he made a statement about the upcoming election saying he he basically was agreeing that it looked like the Republicans were going to win a lot of seats. And then the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, was all up in arms and saying, oh, how dare he say that? And there was supposedly a big fight, you know, behind closed doors. And it's like if you acknowledge the truth, because that's bad for politics you know, you, you just have to keep the spin and keep the rhetoric going and, oh, we're fired up and we're going to win. and But none of that is really it, – it's all about winning. It's not, It doesn't seem that anybody is out there talking about real solutions or real issues on, on well, any side anymore.
0: It might be, you know, um, just to, to take another, another uh, perspective on it, which is linked to yours, Paul – all these people, as you were saying, Scott, it's not just a few, you know, ten, fifteen crazy people who who go in some place to throw tea in the, you know, in the Boston Harbor or something. It's there is a sentiment somewhere in the in this in that country fueling that anger, that rage. Now it might be, you know, uh, that Glenn Beck and and Sarah Palin and whoever is behind the Tea Party movement are appealing to the most base you know the 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 dirtiest emotions to to get that energy fired up but there is somewhere some deep uh dissatisfaction with politics and there is always you know in any country there is that uh mistrust uh that uh that uh disappointment in politics everywhere but in the u.s it seems it's a bit stronger and It does feel, at least from the outside, that the the two-party system that it is in effect and that over uh, rhetorification, of the the debate between the two parties is hurting everyone in the end because people are fed up. And I know that everyone's always fed up. Again, I don't want to make it seem like this is some sort of big revelation, but... People seem to be actually fed up to the point that they will grasp onto anything that can express their frustration with the way the political system is working in the U.S. Now, I would submit that it's a lot about um, uh, lobbies, but there are—I'm sure there are a lot of uh, other issues. But yeah, you're—you're
1: it- you're totally right. I—I mean, you, you basically described everybody's situation, and I'm in that same boat. I—I f- I feel that pain. I understand where people are. And maybe I'm a little bit tainted because I just watched a Jim Jones documentary, the whole Jonestown thing in Guyana and all that stuff, where all those people drank the Kool-Aid and died. And listen, watching that story freaks me out. It it makes me not trust I, I'm, I'm people. I'm not sure
0: what, it is, what that story is.
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, no, I don't even know how to. I, it, the short of it is there was a religious leader, uh, a Christian preacher in the 60s and 70s. Who started building his own kind of congregation it became huge uh, they moved around the country they had uh, just enormous numbers of people following them. He eventually uh, convinced everybody that he had the power to heal um, he he had you know a lot of fake sort of plants in the audience that would that couldn't walk or were crippled that now could because he would wave at him or whatever and one of these guys just just a you know off the wall. Convinced everybody that he's essentially a, a god of some sort, and would start to preach this that he had these powers that they couldn't understand. And sure, sure. The, in the end, they they fled the states because there was a lot of weird goings on behind the scenes. He had a lot of affairs going on and stuff that were controversial. So they they packed up and they left to Guyana, uh, Africa, and oh, set up uh, to Ghana. Uh, is it Guyana? I thought it was Guyana. It was There's Ghana, Guyana, whatever it is. Okay, yeah, something anyway. So they set up this place called Jonestown. It's what everyone called it, but it was really this: the, their community set up their own place. They grew their own food. You know, they would take care of themselves, do their own everything. Essentially, a, a not communist, but a, a kind of a socialist community of you know everybody helping everybody. And on the surface, seemed like it was you know it, maybe an ex, this experiment is working. He got really weird into drugs. Uh, at one point, a congressman flew out there to check the place because he'd been getting letters from people trying to get out, saying they were f- fearful for their lives if they left. Uh, He came to check it that day. uh, He got this warm reception. Everybody's clapping for him. Everything is great. But as he left, a group of the people that worked for this Jim Jones guy uh, met met him at the airport and uh, shot him all up, killed him and five others uh, or five total people, him and four others. And then uh, he then told the congregation of 909 people that they needed to uh, drink this poison Kool-Aid because their calling was now to move on to a different plane where they could be together and be away from the authorities. And 909 people, including children and old people, drank the Kool-Aid, died in front of him, and he shot himself in the head. So my point is...
0: Okay, I'm following, even more depressed now.
1: Following people who are... Uh, you should see this documentary. It's crazy. i have to get a hold of it for you. But anyway, the following people blindly, when individuals blindly, goes against every fiber of my being. I I just am not a big believer in it, and this feels like a lot of weird following Glenn Beck blindly going on, Mm. and I know there's other factors, and there are other people, and he's not the only guy, but he's the one calling the events, and he's the one leading the rallies, and he's the one picking the dates, and that kind of stuff just does not sit with me, and again, some of the principles, they interest me, but many of the principles on the left interest me. The problem is I, I have kind of the same issues with with, uh, what's his name? Um, CNN, I can't even, not CNN, MSNBC, oh, Olbermann, uh, Olbermann's kind of just on the other whole opposite thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, the
0: extremes drive me crazy. The truth is always in the middle and I don't, I have to say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but people know, you know, I, I live in a socialist country, which I will defend in some aspects for a lot of things. Olbermann, I don't think he's as despicable as some of the other people on the other side, but even me, I will tell you. You know, I he's funny sometimes, but sometimes I, I even me, I will say he's sort of he makes me want to puke a little bit in my mouth. That, that's, yeah,
2: his special comments can be a bit much. Yeah, he's like it's like every every other day, he's got a special comment about somebody yeah. somewhere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As a as a side note, the question of whether Glenn Beck could be elected uh, to office is an interesting question, and I wonder if this would have any effect. So back during the election of 08 uh and running up to that um there was a lot of talk about uh mitt romney being a viable candidate for the republican party and he was looking good like he had some momentum people really liked him uh here in utah he was a huge hit because he is he's a mormon yes he's a mormon well i don't not a lot of people know this but glenn beck is a active heavily practicing mormon and i'm i've grown up lds my entire life i live in utah as well That's part of why everyone here thinks Glenn Beck is is the bee's knees. I wonder if he would run into that same problem. Because right now he's kind of the mouthpiece for this extreme right. But that same extreme right would not, especially in the South, would not allow Mitt Romney to get traction. They just wouldn't. Why? There's Oh, dude, there's so much religious, like uh discrimination not just against mormons but it doesn't matter whatever whatever the the minority or oh, the, right
0: you're you're saying that the extreme uh right the christian right would now allow a mormon to get the traction he needs
1: right which is okay yeah that, that is exactly right they were they, they rallied against him very heavily yet these are the votes of the of the conservative right and so i don't know that would right. be really weird to see because people don't talk about that you know he doesn't he brings it up occasionally on his radio show and other things, and it's not like he's hiding it, but it would be an interesting thing to see if, if that would have any movement. To, to be
0: honest, I think it's Sarah Palin who's going to try to run, right, and
1: right. heaven help us all. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. We'll have time to uh, review that uh, that issue of uh, Miss Palin running and what it means for the, the world, I would say. Uh, but. That is not for today. Let's move on to something else. Um, and we can stay in politics because uh, the story I chose for um, France really chose itself. Uh, there's been a huge, incredible, insane amount of uh, talks about the one situation which is uh, sort of linked to what I was discussing, uh, what we were discussing with um Uh, Sean uh, last week, last month, I'm sorry, and that uh, Turkey suffered through, (laughs) I mean, the other hosts suffered through for way too long. So I'm going to try to keep it a little bit shorter. But um, so we have a very, uh, not very big, but we do have a problem with illegal immigration in this country. And uh, a few weeks ago, the the uh, the uh sarkozy's administration started uh deporting uh people from the rom community which is basically gypsies um and there are a few issues there but they i think they deported a few hundred uh people maybe a thousand or two something like that which they sort of arranged as voluntary return to to their country um because the the france would give them a few hundred euros and they would agree to leave you know without making a fuss basically um as i've said on the show um last month we do have a problem with illegal immigration on one side and also um the, the sort of organized crime that, that rallies around it for, uh, professional beggars and, uh, things like that. And prostitution, there's a whole lot of thing, but a, a whole lot of things. So on one hand, you have the, um, the, 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 some of the people seeing that, that deterioration of the situation, uh, because there is links to to organized crimes and then you also have um those communities getting setting up in places like you know because the gypsies will need a place to set up their their camps so they will go in a village on on that village's or that small town's property and will set up some sort of illegal uh camp and obviously the village is not happy about it because for you know whether it's right or wrong uh, the 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 people will perceive that that community it's you know that you know these old sayings like gypsies are all thieves and and murderers and if you have the gypsies outside of town then you're in trouble stuff like that mm. uh which you know obviously is not not something that anyone is very proud of um and um so you had all these different factors which led to it, it's sort of strange because there is not a strong anti-Gypsy feeling, per se, in, in France. I don't think uh, there is a, an anti-Gypsy-as-Gypsies uh, feeling. I will elaborate on this a little bit later. But uh, when the government started deporting the Gypsies specifically, obviously there was a lot of uh, outrage internally, you know, from the uh, Socialist Party and and the people, a lot of people, and internationally, at least in the, in the European Union, because of one... At, at, you know, at first, the, to explain to you how there, it really isn't, in my mind, targeted towards gypsies because they are gypsies. So the, 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 international, uh, the, the European Union was saying you cannot target one ethnic group and for me i wasn't really understanding was why that was the issue because for me i was seeing that issue as illegal immigration problems and i didn't it just happened that these illegal immigrants were gypsies so i really didn't think it was you know targeting a, a specific ethnic group um but then you know so i i researched uh, the issue a little bit and European Union is is very very vocal and saying this is an ethnic group that is discriminated against in their own country mainly Romania and um they are seeking a a you know sort of it's not really asylum obviously because they are not in physical danger in their in their home country but as a okay let's make it simple as a general rule you cannot deport an ethnic group you cannot do that based on ethnic uh criteria so from that standpoint alone it is considered a big problem and it is considered very right-wing to the point that it might be extreme right-wing because it's sort of th- there was a, a comment that really got me i don't know if it's accurate or you know a little bit an easy comment but uh someone in the uh, um EU government was saying, replace that idea and, you know, think of that idea of deporting the, the, the gypsies and replace gypsy with Jewish or, you know, Muslim or whatever. And then immediately it's very striking that this might be a, a, an actual bigger issue than people understand it to be. Um, so I'm not passing judgment on anything here. I'm just saying uh, it is becoming a huge, huge issue with a, a extremely unpopular um uh government at the moment with a lot of uh, uh opinion being very fiercely against this and on the other hand it's very clearly in in my opinion at least a political ploy to act to appear to be it's sort of difficult to judge but at least partly i believe uh, to appear to be doing something on that that problem in order to be more effective in the next elections. It's it's something that's very visible. Uh, now, I personally don't believe it's like actively targeting gypsies because they are gypsies but still, you know, if we have these kinds of rules, it's it, you, if you can't do it, you can't do it. But then it's also blurring the lines because as I was explaining earlier, it's sort of a voluntary return home for these people because they've signed a paper that says, you know, I get 500, 1,000, 2,000 euros, whatever it is, and I go home. So it's not really deportation. Um, so it's a very complex issue we could spend, you know, 20 minutes talking about. I don't want to spend that much. But just, uh, you know, with that description, what I think I think is not – as accurate as it should be probably but still what do you guys think of that of the issue when when described uh like this maybe start with scott
1: okay well um so, i mean you can compare it to mexico here um a little bit so there are laws in place that that limit immigration um or you know there are laws in place to block illegal immigration you can legally immigrate to this country no problem um, but that uh, represents cost and time and 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 resources that many people don't have. So there's a you know sizable illegal immigration issue in this country. And then that being said, if a, a couple come to America from Mexico and they get uh, to laying down family and they have a kid and that kid goes on to college but is technically from an illegal family, there's all sorts of issues that could send them back. And that hardly seems fair to to punish uh, you know children who had no choice in the matter either way. And you know so there's there's many gray areas in this. Otherwise some people think is a black and white issue. Just keep them out and, Mm. or let them in. Um, it, it does get more complicated when you say, you know, if you, if you were saying, well, all right, if you're Mexican, you can't come here. But if you're, I don't know if you're from Argentina, sure. Come on up. That Mm. would be discriminating based on nationality slash ethnicity or whatever. Uh, if that's if that was what was happening with the gypsies, I could see that. But if all they're saying is, well, the problem right now just happens to be gypsies, but it's an illegal immigration problem, and we don't care if you're a gypsy or a guy with a horn and three eyes, if you're illegally immigrating, then sorry, the law is the law, and if we need to change that law, fine, let's go through due, due process. That's where I stand on it. And I think that's where most, most logic should be placed. It should never just... I'm just not a fan of jumping to the extremes, like, bah, this is racism, or, but it isn't fully racism. It's always and we, we, we have little.
0: to say also, um, there are, you know, we have camps where illegal immigrants congregate and we try to provide them with what they need, and then the camps get completely inhumane because there are too many people, not enough resources, But so you try to close them down, but then they just reform somewhere else. So just to illustrate the fact that there are real illegal immig- immigration problems, and just to to jump on what you were saying, when that law was passed, I'm sure everyone will know uh, that law in uh, Arizona about being able to just you know what was it like? Uh, yeah, you could pull them over if you, if they looked
1: right. Mexican.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I was I was completely outraged uh, about that. But then it's it's interesting because when I think about what's happening in my, my country, some things that are that some people will say is completely outrageous in the same way. I'm a little bit more, you know, reserved about, or, or I'm not sure exactly what I think. So it, it's, it is a very complex issue. But sorry, keep going, Scott.
1: Well, um, my brother lives in Phoenix, and uh, he's pro those changes they made, and I couldn't believe it. I said, Mark, what are you talking about? You know, sell me on this. And to just sort of sum it up, we didn't also, there, a lot of what was reported out of, out of the Arizona stuff, was not uh reported very well like in other words there there are states with already harsher regulations in place but no one's mm-hmm. talking about those um so there tends to be uh, a little bit of an insular reporting mechanism as well and i think some of that stuff didn't get reported properly i still think it's it's harsh and i still think he's crazy for thinking it's a good idea but he's also he's one of these Glenn Beck freaks and anyway he's he's totally on the really? uh, his, oh yeah my brother's crazy about that stuff um But and then I'll just say this. Well, and this is semi related, but not entirely related. I I tend to I I tend to roll with people like I'm I'm more interested in individuals. And if I find somebody who's working their can off to 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 get into this country to to do it right and legally and everything else, then they'll they'll figure out a way to do it. And I I totally respect that. I don't think anybody like that should be held back. They should be encouraged. We want smart, diverse people in this country. Um, and to, to put an end to that is a mistake, to stop illegal immigration uh, as a whole where there isn't that kind of motivation or we don't see those sorts of things, we have to have better processes in place that either encourage that or discourage the other.
0: Well, uh, there is just, there is also a fallacy about stopping illegal immigration because the people, let's go to an extreme and say the Glenn Beck type, are going to tell you, yes, we have to stop illegal immigration. It's like saying we have to stop selling alcohol. We know where that went. You know, you can't do it. It's impossible. So if you have to say you have to have the, the harshest rules about everything and you have to send them back immediately and blah, 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 and like – you cannot stop illegal immigration. That is not going to happen. There, yeah. there would be one way to stop it, which would be make the U.S. less appealing to people. They wouldn't want to come live there. Yes, <laughs> if you want to start living in caves, then sure, maybe that would work. But uh, and uh, we have the same problem here. And um, yeah, it's so the
1: same thing as you know. If you there are, I guarantee you, Turkey's not here to defend himself. But I guarantee you, tons of people eat on Ramadan day. Or the, <laughs> I guarantee it. They're eating all day, and they're hiding it, and they're sneaking it, and they're doing whatever. Yeah, I mean, sure, the threat of arrest Maybe. and jail and all that stuff exists. But, dude, somebody's got a straw and their liquefied pizza in a bag and they're sucking it on there all day long. <laughs> I guarantee that's happening. That I'll, and I'll, is I'll awesome. close with one thing. I can't wait to hear what Paul says about this. But I want to say this real quick. I forgot to mention it earlier. I have actually had a death threat, a bona fide death threat from a comment I made on another show. I think it was on TNT or Forecast or something uh, that I made about Glenn Beck from a self-proclaimed libertarian threatening my life for being anti Glenn Beck. Now, I don't know if you can see all the ironies, the layers of irony (laughs) or or not. He's claiming to be a libertarian, which in effect means that everyone should have the liberty to say, think and do what they want. Yet he wants to take that right away from me for disagreeing with this famous talk show host that he likes more than I do. And it blew my mind. Anyway, I just totally forgot to throw that in there. But that was a lot of fun to deal with. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to get more from the show. That'll be fun. It's
0: hmm. anyway. going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I'll ask you offline how you dealt with it, but uh, yeah. I'm sure, you know, you you sent some of your friends to pay him a visit or something, right? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, another thing I want to add also, which uh, what I didn't mention about that uh, issue with the, the gypsies, there is also the added layer of they are citizens of uh, the EU. And... For a lot of them, you cannot prevent them, you know, there is free circulation of goods and people in the EU. So they are theoretically allowed to com- go anywhere in the EU. It's basically, the, you know, the federal state is is equal for everyone. Um, but then, you know, they, they there are conditions like they have to find a job within four months and stuff like that. So it even complicates the uh, the issue further. And then you have people who admit, you know, who let uh, gypsies into their... their um, uh, they're the the property of the village under the condition that the kids will go to school, but then they don't, and then it becomes a problem. So anyway, just to illustrate the fact that it is a very complex issue and you can't sum it up uh, in, yep. in five minutes. Uh, sure. Yeah, Paul, Paul.
2: Yeah, please, Paul. Um, I, I, I've been following this issue a little bit. I think it's interesting that uh, you had mentioned there was a thing in place where they were going to pay give give uh, some of the uh, some money to go back and then I just suddenly thought of them going back and telling their friends, hey, you know, quick go over the border and they'll give you some money and you can come back. <laughs> yeah, it,
0: it happens all the time. The thing is we were you know the government is not sure how to make them go back. So um, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so I, I, I don't know if that's probably the best idea, the best incentive because you'll just <laughs> the, you know they'll go back and tell their friends, hey go back over there and they'll send you give no, you some money no they go back themselves back. they cross yeah. again
0: afterwards <laughs> they're like hey, cool made a thousand euros.
2: But to, to touch back on the issue with, um, you know, Arizona and the, the papers, please. I, I'm policies, sorry, I, I'm
0: horribly rude. I just, I'm forgetting lots of stuff that I want to say. I, I'm not sure I made it very clear, but the Gypsies community is extremely discriminated against. It's like, it is, I'm saying their life is not in danger in Romania, but they are, ext- you know, they are actually Ter- terribly like they can't find jobs they they are uh, uh judged before you even they even open their mouths it is like a serious problem i just don't want to make it seem like i'm saying oh the gypsies they have fun traveling around and they come back and it is a, a serious problem so yeah well
1: they, they're so romanticized here in the states you know they're like they're like the magical people they're like the the traveling awesomes you know so we don't see I, I, this is so, kind of surprising to me to hear all this but anyway go ahead paul yeah
2: if you've been bitten by a werewolf you got to find a gypsy right <laughs> it's sort of the rule um, but no it's you know I'm kind of with Scott in that if you have a law in place that basically says this is our immigration law and and if anybody's you know gone against that law this is the policy this is sort of the return policy um, you know the everybody was making a big issue about the papers please um, issue going on in in Arizona with and, you know, the illegal immigrants coming from Mexico. But having lived abroad, um, you know, in Hong Kong, they had a big issue, especially before the handover, with people from mainland China um, fleeing into Hong Kong who were not residents of Hong Kong. And even today, they still have that problem, although somewhat less, because China's gotten more prosperous and Hong Kong's kind of gone downhill. So this is sort of what Patrick's idea of, you know, if you become less prosperous and then fewer people will want to come to your shores. Um, but I've seen lots of people stopped by police here and, you know, if the police stop you and they ask you to show your ID, you have to always carry your ID with you and they have the right to stop you and, um, I've never been stopped personally, but at any time they could stop me and and ask me to either show my passport or my, um, ID and that was something that I was told, um, I had to keep my ID with me at all times when I'm traveling around and everybody sort of understands that. And I think that in the US, a lot of people forget that you know, if you get stopped by a police officer, they have the right to ask you for your driver's license or your identity card. Um, and I think if you say no, it would probably not be a wise decision. So, I think...
0: Isn't that, I, isn't that obvious, though? Because in France, it's it's very obvious that if you're stopped, you have to present something, or or if you can't, you know, they're going to ask you to go to the, uh, to the police ward and show it uh, in the next few days.
2: Yeah, so I, I think the issue here comes down more with the idea of profiling, that you know, they figure they're, you know, they're all the police are only going to be targeting and profiling a certain group, and this kind of right. goes back to um, some of what's happening with you know the, the gypsies here in 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 Europe is that they're being discriminated and they'd be profiled against, and you know, a lot of people see that as as being very negative, and I can sort of understand that, but I still kind of have to take the the position that if you have a law, if you have a certain immigration policy. And people are not following that law, and they have to be deported. Then that's what the law says,
0: right? And this this is what makes this situation difficult because your heart goes out to the people who are in these difficult situations. Well, sure, sure, and, of course, and 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 there but, can be
2: lots of stories that you know. Yeah. There there were stories here where families were separated. Right. Um, there was a, there was a documentary about a family um, where the husband was from Hong the, the the husband or the mother was from Hong Kong, and the the others parent was from china and they had twin daughters and so the government basically said okay one daughter can stay in hong kong and the other daughter has to go back to you know so you get these individual stories that can pop up and then that can really go out and you feel for these people um but a lot of times we just see you know the the group as a whole in these news stories and it it becomes a little bit maybe black and white and maybe that isn't fair i don't know
0: Well, yeah, I think in France there is, uh, you know, I'm really torn between two feelings. One of them is like, you know, they're Europeans, they're in Europe. We are now a a union, a community of people. And we have decided that anyone can go anywhere. We should bite the bullet. And if we send them back, then they're not going to find anything. Maybe How incredibly proud would French people be if they were like, you know what? No one is going to take care of them. We are going to be the ones who do it. We're just going to bite the bullet and just integrate these communities and just manage to, you know, find a way. But that is sort of a pipe dream that I sort of know is not going to happen. Um, But that being said, you have a lot on the other side, a lot of people who go to extremes almost, I don't want to say really, but almost comparable to what... uh, Glenn Beck does by oversimplifying the issue and showing you almost a picture of you know the two twins separated and go, and going like how can we be so inhumane and how can you be so such a horrible person? Well, actually, there is a law, you know, and we yeah. live by rule of law. And yes, it is difficult, but um, ultimately that is what matters. And if you want to, yeah, okay. Anyway, we could talk about this for a long time. You know what I want to talk about? Yeah is if we can uh, I think we're running really long here um but if we can spend a little bit more time on that uh Hong Kong versus mainland China uh thing and if you can explain to us Paul what the situation is because for Hong Kong was returned to um China in 95 was it 97 97 okay yeah So in 97, Hong Kong was returned to China, and Hong Kong is now part of, I mean officially, part of China. So, you know, People's Republic of China, communist country, but you're there. And apparently Hong Kong is still doing fine and uh, going super capitalistic and uh, all of that. So what's the situation there? How is it really on the ground?
2: Well, it's um, for for those who may not know much about Hong Kong, it was a British colony. Um, And it was returned, uh, the the lease expired, and basically in the 80s, uh, negotiations between Britain and China broke down, and uh, basically China had gotten powerful enough by that point where they said, well, we don't think we're going to let you renew the lease, um, after having been sort of bullied by the British during the colonial period. And so there was a big rush about, oh, well, what's going to happen? We need to get a government in place and all of that was sort of rushed up to the deadline of 1997 a lot of people were speculating oh what's going to happen or you know is the is the uh people's liberation army going to come rolling in with tanks um a lot
0: well, that, of the, that was a <clears> real fear a lot of people yeah, left
2: a lot of the a lot of the
0: intellectuals
2: left and there was you know what they call a brain drain um both economically and intellectually of the area But uh, the handover went over smoothly, and um, it's considered what they call a special autonomous region similar to Shenzhen and Shanghai and some of the other uh, economic zones where they allow capitalism um, and they try to – they say they try to sort of keep a hands-off policy. We have a, a, a special type of government that's headed by a chief executive. It's not a democracy. Um, the people here are allowed to vote for leg- legislative council representatives, which is sort of like a, a Congress, if you will. And But they don't get to vote for all of them. They get to vote for some of them and others are appointed. And then ultimately that group appoints the chief executive. Right. There's been a big push recently to try and go for universal suffrage, um, but that is something that uh, Beijing is very reluctant to do. They keep sort of they they were talking about maybe having elections in in 2012, and it's been pushed back to 2016, and you know, there people are talking about pushing it back even further. But basically, everything is at the whims of Beijing. They hold all the cards. Um, Hong Kong has no military; uh, they have a police, you know, a police force uh, for keeping order. But everything, you know, the the protection of Hong Kong is basically um, through the People's Liberation Army, and they have they've taken over the barracks here and you know they have a presence here so if things were to get out of hand civilly they would probably step in at, at a given point um, okay. economically things have started to decline somewhat in recent years we've had issues with SARS you may remember from a few years back right um avian flu has been an issue and uh, so economically we you know it's still a very strong financial city but it it's losing ground to places like Singapore and, and Shanghai um, and other growing economies like um, Thailand and Vietnam. Um, so a lot of people were looking to the mainland. I mean, I, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, the, the announcement came out that uh, China now has the, moved into the number two spot in terms of uh, GDP um, passing Japan. So, you know, That's where all the the business is heading, and that's where the future seems to be. And a lot of people are unsure what the role of Hong Kong is going to be. So, Um, but
0: do you feel, feel, uh, well, let's say safe uh, in Hong Kong? And do you feel like it is actually a different, you know, for everyday life? It's, It's not China.
2: Yeah, it's very safe here. I mean, the infrastructure here is really great. Um, I've, I've been spent considerable amount of chi- time in China and I think Scott can speak to this too. Um, cause I think he spent time both in Hong Kong and China. Um, there, I feel really safe here. I feel a lot safer here than I do in many of the cities in the U S. Um, there is crime here. Um, but there's, you know, they don't, their people are not allowed to own guns. So the crime is, you know, the occasional chopping or. The occasional criminals who do have access to guns, you know, usually robbing Imagine banks. Imagine that! Like, Don't yeah. allow
0: people to carry guns. There's less crime. That's yeah. like magic. Um,
2: <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a very safe city. I've 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 never felt uh, at in danger here. Can't say right. the same. I, I for meant the more
0: more regarding China. You know, are, are they going to come yeah. in at any time? Or well, they if have you say they have this policy like. You know, more like about freedom of expression. Like if you say, you you know, China is a horrible dragon that will eat the world. Do you get transported magically to...
2: That's the sort of the mystery. Um, They have this policy. uh, It's a hands-off policy that was supposed to last for 50 years after the handover ending in the year 2046. And slowly but surely China's started to manipulate. It looks like Turkey's coming back.
0: He's coming to say goodbye when we when we conclude. Keep going, uh, Paul. Um,
2: so slowly but surely, uh, they've started to change some of the policies. There's been a push to get Mandarin as the main language to be taught in local schools. Um, officially, it was English, as supplemented with a lot of Cantonese, which is the dialect of southern China. Um, so little things like that. Um, there's a there's a strong presence by the Communist Party in local politics. Um, so there, there, you know, just like you have the Republicans and the Democrats in the U.S., you have parties here who are um, sympathetic to Beijing, as they like to say. The newspapers here are there
0: have, any uh, parties that are not sympathetic to? Beijing? Oh yeah, 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 there oh, really? are. Wow.
2: Um, and the the media here, um, you have media that's very outspoken still, and uh, you have papers like the South China Morning Post, which is considered a somewhat liberal paper, but over the years it's sort of kind of gotten more in line um for example i knew a a cartoonist who worked at the south china morning post um prior to the handover and his cartoons were very um politically aggressive towards mainland china and shortly after the handover he was left without a job and because the editor editors basically wanted to um, become a bit more China friendly. So, so if you th- if you
0: look out like maybe fifteen twenty years down the line, do you how do you see Hong Kong going? You know, related well, to China.
2: It really looks like um, Shanghai is is the city of the future right now, um, but it it really depends on what happens politically in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong's trying to re- reinvent itself. For a long time, it was sort of the financial center of Asia. And it was also the sort of main port. We had all the best logistics and um, the best uh, harbor for shipping containers and these types of things. And now Shanghai and some of the other port cities have really, um, they've upgraded themselves and surpassed Hong Kong in those areas. So some people are saying maybe Hong Kong should become an arts hub or an educational hub or possibly a medical hub because, you know, medical tourism is a, a really booming industry in Asia and places like India now. So. Right, that's uh, really people depends. going
0: going to get uh, medical care in another country because it's so cheap. Yep. Um, right. Yeah.
2: Um, and uh, tourism, of course, has always been a very big factor for Hong Kong. But with all, as I mentioned earlier, as, all the pollution that's been coming up here has really been starting to take a dent in that. Um, the the very famous view of Victoria Harbour um, over across to Hong Kong. Island, it's always we've always got this general haze now that's sort of it uh, puts a damper on everything, so okay. uh, I'm not sure if they'll be able to ever, ever address that problem as long as uh, that stuff's sort of seeping over from the mainland.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for that detailed account. Um, I'm sure...
1: Way, or at least it was. I hope, that, I hope the smog doesn't kill it, but I, when I was there, it just struck me as the most clean, beautiful city. It was gorgeous. Hmm.
2: Yeah, it's you a know? great city to live in, um, but you know, like yeah.
1: any city, it has its problems. The mainland uh, uh, crap out of me, I thought I was going to die over there, but I did fine and, and
0: well, just put a little bit of you know industrial uh, era uh, capitalism just across the, the the river, and that's what you get there you go. All right. Uh, yes, as I was saying, uh, we could probably be talking about all of this for a very long time, uh, and I'm sure you guys have lots of other stories you would want to talk about. Uh, but I'm afraid we're running a little. Me, bit me, long.
3: me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why did I invite him back? Aren't you eating Sambusek and stuff?
3: Patrick, I missed you, and I—I I forgot. I haven't harassed you enough today. <laughs> All right, it's go just, ahead. It just doesn't work if we don't harass each other. While well, <laughs> me you. harassing
0: you—that's how it ahead. works.
3: <laughs> well, did you guys talk about the BlackBerry
0: ban? Oh, right. Well, no, not really. But uh, go ahead. <laughs>
3: well, it's a huge uh, thing right now. The BlackBerry is uh, under attack in different governments, Saudi Arabia. Lebanon, United Arab Emirates, India. It started with India, didn't it? Uh, No, actually, in reality, it started with Saudi Arabia. It started a very long time ago in Saudi Arabia, I think about uh, seven months ago. Then it went away. It didn't get any huge, bigger. But then the UAE declared they will be banning it on the 31st of October, and that's when Saudi Arabia came back in into, into the news and started being aggressive.
0: So because the, now the it reason, has the backing
3: of other countries. The, the, the
0: reason for this is that uh, BlackBerry offers a service called uh, BlackBerry Messenger, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. That's the, the, the service that they have a problem with, which is c- encrypted from end to end. And yeah. um, the, the, the issue is the government of these countries want to be able to look into these messages Especially because they were uh, used in the um, in an
3: act of terrorism. It was which one was it? (coughs) The the Mumbai attacks in India. The basically it was also used in all the other Gulf countries. And Saudi Arabia has been used. It's uh, very popular right now. Uh, The BlackBerry in Saudi Arabia and I don't know about India, but in Saudi Arabia specifically, maybe in other. Turkey disappeared.
1: So you said something about firewalls <laughs> and, and
3: Really business devices. Oh, anymore. there he is. Yeah. Okay, it's you're not, back. Yeah, it's not, it's not a business device. It's a device it's it's to chat and talk. and Everybody has it, whether they're young, old, or whatever. So it's a very, very popular right now. And
0: so have so they reached an, uh, an agreement?
3: Uh, Saudi Arabia has reached an agreement. They're now in the testing phase of the new system which is basically a blackberry agreed to install uh, servers here right uh, uh, so yeah, let's say believe it or off. not on this matter uh how about now uh it seems better keep going all right so unlike the believe it or not saudi arabia it's more flexible than the uae when it <laughs> comes to this matter and <laughs> saudi arabia agreed that the servers servers would be installed by the different uh, telecommunications companies, and they only have access using a court order to check any person's uh, messaging. Which seems reasonable. I mean, yeah.
0: That, yeah. but um, for for RIM, it's uh, the 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 manufacturer of uh, the Blackberries. Yeah. it's a huge problem because now everyone's coming out of the woodworks yeah. and they're going yeah. like, hey, we want to be able to check your BlackBerry messengers too. And yeah. one of the Actually, strongest...
3: Actually, in, in France, uh, the government is banned from using BlackBerry. Government employees.
0: Oh, I didn't even uh, know that.
3: Yeah, but, uh, but I think that was a year ago. Uh, on condition that the servers be moved into France, or else, no government employees allowed to carry a BlackBerry hmm. for security reasons.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It is uh, one of the big, um, the the big. It's a big issue for Rim because Blackberries are touted as super secure for that reason that no one can get into them but uh, yeah of course if no one can I, get think, into I
3: think i think i think also one thing that also did not help blackberry is that uh, the u.s government interfered to support blackberry and tried to convince the gulf countries to not ban blackberry
0: so then they were all hey you stay in your country
3: uh, uh, blackberry is a canadian company research and motion rim
0: Oh crap. Okay. Yes, I so, knew that. I hadn't <laughs> forgotten that at all. Yeah.
3: So it's questionable when <laughs> no, the US government I mean, comes in to support them and try to yeah. help them not be banned. So maybe the US Canadian. government,
0: maybe the US government has a, a <laughs> super secret way of getting into BlackBerry's uh, yeah. yeah,
3: definitely. Well, that's how everybody thought after yeah. they heard about the US interfering <laughs> in this matter. Uh, and of course, you have the UAE which are uh, we have their well, it depends on who you talk to, the head of their police, the police, Dubai police chief, uh, which I consider an idiot, some consider a uh, hero, who is now demanding that BlackBerry be banned because BlackBerry is being used by the U.S. and Israel to spy on the UAE. What?
0: <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> sure, why not?
0: <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> Uh, Scott is bursting
3: into laughter. I tell you, this guy is an idiot. Uh, this guy, t- this police, uh, the Dubai pol- uh, uh, chief of police, it's the, it's like he's like Muammar Gaddafi, of <laughs> Libya. This oh, guy not "Talk that.
0: about Gaddafi in in Italy." That was. Something too. We could have talked about that. But, yeah.
3: So, so this guy keeps on saying stuff, trying to protect the country. He also requested that Facebook be banned completely from the UAE, because well, it's uh, contact it's between, corrupting. You know. No, it's for a corrupting society. And hey, I
0: I might agree that facebook is a corrupting factor in society even in in uh, france and the u.s but uh, that would be another matter
2: maybe they can just meet him in the, in the middle and ban the facebook movie
1: <laughs> oh, that'd be great what
0: are you not interested in that you
1: know i i'd take it back i'm totally gonna see it i am interested in it but it just seems really weird it, 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 facebook is still a thing that's happening not a thing that happened it feels it like doesn't... a weird biopic to me i don't know
0: mm, I'm, I'm i disagree i mean uh did you ever see the uh pirates of the silicon valley movie the yeah
1: movie? see that's like 25 30 years ago where this yeah. thing's like ah 2003 that wasn't <laughs> that seems like <laughs> ages ago
0: maybe. maybe i'm gonna see it anyway i'm sure it's gonna be interesting Yeah. Um, All right, let's let's just leave all these stories be because we're around the two-hour mark and uh, I usually like to keep it a little bit shorter. But it was so interesting, we couldn't stop. So let's stop now uh, and uh, keep some of that goodness for the next time that everyone is going to be on the show. And uh, until then, uh, you will be able to find the ramblings of all of these fantastic hosts at these locations. For Scott Johnson, please insert name of website here. (laughs) Uh, They can find everything I'm up to at frogpants.com. Patrick has a
1: couple of shows, including this, on the network, but there's a bunch of other stuff there as well. If you're into video games or movies or countless other subjects, uh, good stuff to be had. They can always follow me on Twitter as well, twitter.com slash extra life.
0: Excellent. Mr. Turkey, what about you? I see your, your website's back and running
3: oh yeah finally i I forgot to renew the domain and I had to recover it. I paid a hundred dollars just to get it back up and running.
0: Hey, and so. for a website that you haven't updated in ten months it's it's worth it right
3: <laughs> Well, yeah, actually because i'm actually do, I'm planning to get back my podcast uh, gonna Dude, you've it been telling the- me that for like six months. Well, I never get around to it, but i 'm seriously i really okay. want to do it i 've already have all the people i 'm going to interview it 's going to be different because i 'm going to make it an interview podcast where i 'm going to meet the locals and expats in Saudi Arabia to talk about life in Saudi
0: and their oh, opinions that's awesome.
3: so yeah so it 's a completely different format i 'm still working on it as soon as I get it set up i 'm going to start uh, podcasting it and yes. uh, if you need to check and Follow it and find out if it's ever going to happen. You can check me on Twitter. And my Twitter ID is Saudi. Or you can check the website, which is net.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Turkey. Um, Paul, do you have any uh, Twitters or Facebooks or websites uh, that you would uh, recommend people check out?
2: Yeah, if um, you're interested to see what I'm doing in Hong Kong, never really exciting stuff. But you can follow me at uh, twitter.com slash foxlore. And I do have a podcast on Hong Kong movies and Asian movies. So if that's of interest to you, you can find that over at uh, www.kongcast.com.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, I am, of course, Patrick Beja, and you can find all my ramblings uh, and links to social media sites on patrickbeja.com. And I am not Patrick on uh, Twitter and Facebook also. That is going to be it for us. We will be back in. I, I think we might make it in like three weeks because we are doing it on the first Saturday of the month for various reason, uh, reasons. But usually it's the last Saturday of the month. Although next time, hmm, October 2nd might be better than September 25th. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, three or four weeks, we'll be back with another show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys uh, for participating. And we'll talk to you again in a month. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Give me a little bit of silence.
1: I could be terpster and say things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How about a derp? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Never mind. I give up.
2: As I mentioned in the email, though, unfortunately, I don't speak French very much, so I can't follow your
1: French podcast.
2: Well, that which...
0: is no excuse. Get off my conversation <laughs> right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I listen to those but I have no I I pretend what Patrick's saying and it's even funnier than <laughs> that. Way.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's an imagination exercise. You just uh make up uh, what everyone else is uh, saying.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> like and now they're speaking of cheese and now they're talking <laughs> about pants. Funny enough, it's always cheese and pants. Um so do you guys have any questions, anything you want to tell me before we jump uh, in in? Well, I'm nude. Um that oh, no. is information yeah. that I will be happy to relay to my listeners.
2: <laughs> I am not nude, but I could be if it's a requirement.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you this podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.